One late winter morning in 2011, I sat in the waiting room at UCLA's pediatrics clinic. Although I have children, I wasn't there because of them. I was there to see if I was going to die anytime soon. After three weeks of agony, I was about to get the results of my genetic test for Huntington's disease. Oddly, as I sat in the room with its cheerful murals of Disney characters, my husband and a gaggle of parents and toddlers around me, I was more numb than afraid. I suspect I was still in shock. I was also still grieving my youngest brother's death. Until a few months before, I had been only vaguely aware of Huntington's. I knew it was the fatal brain disorder that had killed iconic American folk singer Woody Guthrie. But I didn't know it was rare. I didn't know it was purely genetic, passed down from parent to child. And I didn't know it combined the worst aspects of Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's disease, and Parkinson's. A cocktail of misery and eventual death. Or that there weren't any treatments or a cure. And then, in December of 2010, my brother Jim was diagnosed with Huntington's, on top of terminal colon cancer. And suddenly, I was thrust into a world I never could have imagined. Jim didn't last long. He died of cancer on Christmas Eve, only 58. Because we were close, so much alike, it was like watching myself die, too. For years, I had watched Jim's demise from Huntington's, his withering away, not realizing what was wrong with him. At times, he couldn't control his body and looked like he was drunk. He fell a lot and had frequent car accidents. When we talked on the phone, I often had to ask him to repeat himself because his speech was slurred. Since we were kids, he had always been sweet and good-natured. But as he moved into his 40s, he was quick to get angry. Just as strange, my liberal California brother had turned into a hardcore conservative, a supporter of George W. Bush and a climate change denier. Part of this I wrote off to his living in Colorado Springs, a hotbed of American evangelism. Yet his symptoms haunted me. Mostly, I thought the changes were the result of a brain injury from a bad snowboarding accident. Several years before, he'd fallen off a ski lift, and the chair had struck him in the back of the head. For a while, he'd had seizures, even though he'd been wearing a helmet when injured. Epilepsy had killed my mother, upended her life almost since I was born. So the reality that Jim now had epilepsy seemed especially unfair. Because I lived in Los Angeles, I usually saw him only about twice a year, so I didn't grasp how sick he was. Whenever I'd ask about his health, if he'd seen his neurologist, he'd insist he was fine. He had a little movement problem, something called dancing body syndrome. He was taking medication for it. He could still practice dentistry. But I was skeptical. How could he insert a crown if he couldn't stay still? If only I'd pursued my suspicions. Maybe then Jim wouldn't have been able to live in such denial. He could have gotten the care he needed and not suffered as much. 
Maybe his colon cancer also could have been diagnosed earlier. At the very least, Jim's depression could have been treated. Maybe he wouldn't have had to helplessly watch as his practice collapsed and his financial troubles mounted. Maybe he and my sister-in-law would have felt less ashamed, less alone. Maybe he wouldn't have had to pretend to be so brave for his kids and for our two siblings and me.